Qui-Gon, sir. I don't want to be a problem. You won't be any. I'm not allowed to train you, so I want you to watch me and be mindful. Always remember, your focus determines your reality. Stay close to me, and you'll be safe. Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midi-chlorians. I've been wondering, what are midi-chlorians? Skip to the end. Annie? My goodness, you've grown. So have you. Grown more beautiful, I mean. Skip to the end. Activate ray shields! Ray shields. Skip to the end. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Skip to the end. But to freeze Skywalk. Skip to the end. Oh. Skip to the end. Points. This is Jason, and it's Gabe, and this week we're talking about the final scenes, the beautiful, strange tradition where every Star Wars movie, Iris is out to a black star field with the blue letters. It's like there's there's long running traditions in a lot of popular movie series. I mean, I think of horror and Star Trek, and James Bond is probably the the biggest one. And for, like, the longest time, like, Star Wars, people thought that every movie should begin with a crawl. And, like, remember there was the whole thing when Rogue One was about to come out and it wasn't going to have a crawl? And people were losing their damn minds because they're like, what's a Star Wars movie without a crawl at the beginning? (laughs) But it is kind of with at least with the the saga Skywalker films, it is part of the format like it's almost like when you write a report for school like you have to do double spacing and like half inch margins or you know whatever like there is a format to star wars and whether or not it means that the the story has to be the same or you know that it's the same things over and over but it is like if you're putting star wars on a screen you gotta have 
the right margins and the right spacing. Like you, you have a crawl and you have the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and you have a fanfare. And at the end you have a music wrap up that ends with the Iris. It's interesting to see that that is really with kind of the different openings we got in Rogue One and Solo and who knows how things are going to go in the future that the, the musical coda and the iris out at the end is kind of the only thing that's really been consistent in the big screen movies. You can see like the, the TV shows, like even Clone Wars and Rebels and The Mandalorian still kind of keeping that tradition, but almost like Ludwig's score showing that some of the things that we hold precious in Star Wars, like there are things that we think we, we hold precious in Star Wars, there is room for them to change. And it's interesting to see how The Mandalorian especially has kind of taken that idea of the musical coda and done something a little bit different with them with it. Well, yeah, and it's kind of neat to see over the years things that have kind of gradually changed the format because i always think of rebels as as being interesting because rebels is the first star wars thing i guess not counting the, the ewok movies and like the other cartoons but like that was a different aspect ratio because clone wars kind of kept the the visual style of the theatrical films but then with rebels it kind of embraced the 169 hdtv format which now with mandalorian we have episodes that are changing aspect ratios mid episode which is something that would have seemed very star un star wars in the past so it's definitely a the format and and style has evolved but it's really interesting even going back to the theatrical films and just how much as much as they all have this musical coda to iris that they kind of mix it up and expand on this specific idea of how to end the movie but they kind of are able to do their own thing and and do little variations on it. I forget like that rebels really did do it too with the whole, the jumping forward in the future and Sabine and Ahsoka going off to find Ezra or whatever the heck was going on. And Clone Wars kind of got the advantage of doing it twice. What, what we thought was going to be the end of the series with the, the tree in the, by the Jedi temple. And then the amazing ending when Clone Wars came back with Vader again, like jumping into the future. Well, and what's really kind of great with these is it is like the idea of the Star Wars films being silent films that happen to have some dialogue in them, but they're at their heart, they're visual films and the music and the visuals and the sound effects kind of drive the story that it's almost like, the end of each movie is an exclamation point of that, of we're going to end the movie with just music and visuals and kind of almost recap what the previous two hours you watched were with this little musical exclamation point. Star Wars movies should never end with a period, a dash. (laughs) You're absolutely right that every single one of them, it is like an exclamation point. When you go through, like, getting ready for this episode, I re-watch the ending of every saga movie. And it's fascinating to watch all these these end codas because they really are, like, the summary of what you just watched. 
And when if it's a middle chapter, it's kind of, okay, here's what happened, and here's just enough to get you to the next one. Here's the ideas I want you lingering on until the next one comes out. You know, like the kind of the cliffhanger thing, but in a much more space opera, grandiose, John Williams, tour de force kind of thing. And I wonder if it was intentional. It's like going back and watching the one for the original 1977 Star Wars. It's such a great ending with the the throne room and everything, as we're going to get into eventually. But you got to wonder if it was an intentional decision, or if I wonder if it was just kind of like the James Bond series, where I don't think they set out in making Dr. No, and we're like, okay, what we do in this movie, we have to keep repeating for the next, like, 40, 50 years in all these other movies that we do. I think it was just kind of like, that was great, that worked, let's do that again. Yeah, I wonder the same thing if, because I feel like there there isn't a lot of information about the decisions for that that I remember if and if if there are and someone can remember where the you know where they read that definitely let us know but like just yeah the idea of ending the movie with just music and a fanfare what was the inspiration and yeah was that always the plan to okay if we make another one it's got to start with the crawl and it's got to end with this little musical part yeah the only thing I could find with going through research is is probably too late to to make any difference in the whole thing, but it is in the making of uh, Revenge of the Sith book by Rinsler, where, where they're filming the final scene with Owen and Baru. And Lucas is talking to everyone on set, just of like, yeah, well, and the, the music's going to be sweeping. And he, he tells Joel Edgerton, like, put your leg up, put your leg up like a John Wayne thing over there. But very much knowing what this ending is all going to be. But at that point, he's like the sixth movie in, so... <laughs> too late yeah well and and that one's a little special too i think we'll we'll get into when we when we get to that one that's one of the ones that kind of stretches things a little bit but i feel like this the the big star wars ending wasn't even something i started to pay attention to until i think maybe even like the special editions i think it was around the same time like when you start noticing that like all the movies have very specific color themes and <laughs> They all have this kind of big music ending thing. And then, yeah, I think it really was the prequels where it was like, oh, he's sticking to this thing. We're we're not moving from it. Yeah, it definitely is something that you might not think about until you're watching them almost back to back. Because I think sometimes you just kind of get caught up in the story and like, okay, the movie's over. It's you're jamming along to the tunes and next thing you know, the movie's done. But then when you, you know, you immediately go watch the next one, you're like, wait a second, this feels a lot like the last one that I watched. Wait, then you watch the next one. And it's like, wait, this is kind of the same thing here. Cause I was trying to imagine like a star Wars movie ending with like the credits going up while action was still going on on the screen. Okay. We blew up the death star and like everyone's walking away. And as they're like walking away and the crowd kind of moves away, then the credits kind of come up over that. How weird that would be. Wouldn't it be, imagine, would you even feel like you watched a star Wars movie at that point? Or would you be like, I don't know what this is. I was down with it for two hours, but then at the end credits, I'm out. It's like watching the holiday special almost. Doesn't that have the, some of the credits over stuff? <laughs> I think so. I can't, I can't remember the credits for the holiday special. I can't either. But yeah, I mean, if you think of the end of new hope with the music, any other movie, potentially the credits could have been rolling over that whole sequence. 
And that wouldn't have seemed odd for a movie to end with this, you know, awards ceremony happening while the credits are rolling. I imagine if a Star Wars movie instead of the Iris ended with like a freeze frame, it would be as weird as a Star Wars movie with the credits rolling with bloopers playing in the corner, like Cannonball Run style, which maybe they should do sometime. But that would be really weird. And honestly, I would be kind of like, I love some bloopers, but I don't know if I'm ready for bloopers in Star Wars on screen yet. All I can think about is the, I think the Hong Kong version of Cannonball Run that has the bloopers dubbed in Cantonese. <laughs> While you watch the bloopers, you can hear everyone talking dubbed during the bloopers. Which there are those New Hope bloopers. So maybe somebody should do a cut of A New Hope with the credits going up during the awards ceremony, during the medal ceremony, the throne room, <laughs> and then afterwards, the bloopers in the corner. Only a matter of time. Also, when you go through and you watch all of them, which I really recommend doing if you want to be really weird, just freak out your friends and family and just watch the ending of every Star Wars movie because they're always kind of gorgeous. There's always lots of hugging. Sometimes these moments have some of the most beautiful cinematography of the entire Star Wars movie. I feel like the desired effect of these end scenes like you said like an exclamation point they should make you leave the theater buzzing yeah it's really the last little injection of sugar into your blood to basically get you to leave the theater and get back in line and go get back on the ride and watch it again because that's kind of i mean the end of new hope you're pumped up you just got a medal for watching this movie so you want to go you just want to get right back in line it's that feeling that was started, yeah, in that original 1977 masterpiece where you want to do a cartwheel down the aisle of the theater after you just saw it. Keep doing a cartwheel through the lobby right to back to the end of the line to the next show. You just high-fiving everyone on the way out and high-fiving everyone on the way back in. <laughs> I mean, the end of that movie looks like you're in a movie theater with everyone else. You know, they're all just watching this. The heroes up on the stage, they might as well be sitting in the theater. You, my, the audience might as well be getting, yeah, on screen getting medals. And you look down at the medal and it says, you just saw the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. And Chewbacca's like, go see it again. That's when they put subtitles on Chewbacca. That's what he's saying. Do you have tickets for the next show? Question mark. Yes, Chewbacca. Star Wars films are basically silent movies, and they're designed as silent movies. Therefore, the music carries a, has a very large role in carrying the story, more than it would in a normal movie. Most movies, the story is carried by the dialogue. Star Wars films, the, mu- the music carries the story. So that the music is extremely important, just as it would be in a silent movie. Uh, that connective tissue of how you get from... There's a lot of very quick transitions in Star Wars. You're moving from, from scene to scene and scene. It moves very fast. And without that music there to smooth it out and, and, and take you from point A to point B in a, in a sort of elegant way, it becomes very jerky and confused, and, and, um, and the story doesn't work very well. The film doesn't work very well. Okay, folks, so here's what we did. We ranked all 12 
of the theatrically released Star Wars films and our personal preference of our favorite ending scenes. And what we're going to do is we're going to go in chronological order, trade back and forth, talking about each one of them. And then at the end, after we've talked about all of them, we're going to reveal our full 1 through 12 list. Does that make any sense to anyone? (laughs) I think it makes sense to me, and that's the most important. We're making this up as we go. Come along with us, if you will. (laughs) We're going to start with episode one, The Phantom Menace. And The Phantom Menace is number two on my list. And, you know, you hear people say, Phantom Menace should have ended with Qui-Gon's funeral and the whole, which was destroyed, the Master of the Apprentice. And then, wah, wah, Palpatine's face. Iris out. I could see that happening, maybe. But no, that's not the way George Lucas plays. You've got to go to the parade. In 1999, I loved the parade because it was ridiculous, and I loved the music, and I loved the kids throwing confetti and the Gungans blowing in horns and stuff. But kind of like the best Star Wars endings as we get into here... The more I watched it, and especially when I realized that the parade music was Palpatine's theme sped up, and that it's this joyous celebration of what have actually very evil, horrible ending, the beginning of everything going wrong, and you have Anakin and Padme on this stage exchanging very sweet smiles to each other. And everyone seems really confident, and Boss Nass is holding up a glowing blue ball, blue ball, peace, and everything. The fact that that's all going on, and it's so subtly actually horrible, <laughs> like a very tragic ending with kids throwing confetti and stuff. Yeah, in the months and months and months after Phantom Mass, I was like, this is genius. This movie is incredible. The Phantom Menace is my number two greatest Star Wars ending of all time. Yeah, everything you're saying is true. It really is kind of the whole thing of giving you something you thought you've seen before. It's kind of a mix-up of the A New Hope ending and a little bit of Return of the Jedi, but then with the, the evil twist of it's not what you expect because, yeah, Palpatine's really the one who won. (laughs) So next up is Attack of the Clones, which is number five on my list. I'm surprised. Well, and that's the thing with these that's interesting is you think it's going to be similar to how you feel about the movie as a whole, but at least for me, it's kind of a very different list than if you asked me to rank the movies as a whole. But Attack of the Clones ending is great. We talked about it a lot last week in the IMAX episode because it's one of, it may be the only one that was different in different versions. Because the original 35mm theatrical did not have the robot hand. That really puts it over the top. There's so much romance. It's the longest kissing, I think, in any Star Wars movie during that scene. But it also 
kind of gives you the the change in tone that some of these have where it starts out with the the new republic army flying off into space and much like phantom menace it's like oh the good the good guys have an army now but you realize that that's really the army for the bad guys and then when it cuts to the to the lovey-dovey stuff and across the stars kicks in and there's hand holding and kissing but you kind of realize that this is like as happy as it's going to get for them and it's all downhill so it's like bittersweet at the same time that you're just pumped up and want to watch the movie again yeah, it's like we were saying it's it's leading you into the next one while also summarizing what you just watched it's like oh you all that anakin pad me love stuff oh that was great that was fun oh the clone troopers aren't they cool no it's actually all horrible <laughs> it's going down a path that you can't follow so up next revenge of the sith and that is number eight on my list which i i kind of felt bad putting it at number eight because it's like almost of all the the star wars codas it's the most going for it (laughs) it really goes for it it's the possibly the longest wordless coda of any star wars movie because really it starts with Padme's funeral, which is gorgeous, and then it goes to from Padme's funeral to the Death Star with Vader and Palpatine and crazy face Tarkin looking at the the bare bones of the Death Star, and then to Alderaan, and then finally Tatooine, and it's all gorgeous. And John Williams is just killing it, and it's really great. I think the only thing that has me putting it at number eight and not higher is I think it's, I have always had a weird thing that the fact that it ends. And at the time I thought this was the last star Wars movie. It ends with Owen and Baru looking out on the binary sunset (laughs) where I, and you know, listeners, you know, we love Owen and Baru quite a bit, but I was kind of like, let's get real here. This is our last shot of any Star Wars movie ever, and it's Owen and Beru. But they're holding baby Luke. It's baby Luke. It would be weird if baby Luke was just laying in the dirt looking at the binary sunset. So they're just there as <laughs> to hold him up. I always wondered, though, like, if it was something with Obi-Wan, like looking out on the, the twin sons of Tatooine holding Luke instead. But, you know, I don't want to get into like, well, I, I could make it better. So I don't want, I'm not going anywhere near any kind of that talk. It is what it is and it's wonderful, but I've got to be real. And it is by far the most outrageous because I counted, there are five Iris transitions in it. It starts with 3PO getting his memory wiped or threatened to get his memory wiped. Oh no. It, Iris is out to the funeral, and then it, Iris is out between each of those next four, and then finally, yeah, Irising out to the credits. So it's literally like just George Lucas throwing five Star Wars movies worth of endings at you. Well, and it's also kind of cool because the the with one and two, they're kind of happy endings with a dark undertone, and this one is a dark ending that ends with a little bit of hope. So it kind of flips it around. Because it is like literally, what, three horrible things <laughs> in a row or two i guess and then you get the babies and kind of balances it out but everyone everyone holding the babies will be dead soon <laughs> that's true yeah there's no, there's no hope for owen and baru unfortunately <laughs> or the or the or uh the organas yeah. where are you going looks like i'm going nowhere i have to go finish cleaning those droids 
Oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. So next up is the original A New Hope, which is number one on my list. Going back and watching it again, it's much longer than I remember. Like, it doesn't care. It's taking its time. It's like they're walking and they're smiling and there's medals and there's goofiness abound. And then the music hits its peak. We see Chewbacca. We hear Chewbacca say something and movies have been changed forever. People's lives have been changed forever. And here we are all these years later still talking about these. I think that's why it had to be number one for me because it's there wouldn't be any other ones if there wasn't for this one. And it still holds up. It doesn't feel like a prototype. It stands shoulder to shoulder with all the rest. And in some ways is almost very different because of the way the music is. It's just, you know, some of the other ones kind of start to fall back on familiar Star Wars music or the Force theme or Luke's music kind of stuff where this one is, it's its own thing. Like this music only exists in this part of the movie. The ending of A New Hope is pure joy, kind of just like the movie itself. Like when I rewatch it, that's the only thing I was thinking about, that it's the smiles on everyone's faces. It's just joyous. you know. And yeah, just like the movie, it's just a blast of energy and just positivity and it's the cur- it's a little curtain call at the end of this absolute masterpiece that you just watched so up next we've got the empire strikes back maybe you've heard of it it's number five on my list you know much like a new hope it's it's a lot like the movie empire strikes back and much like empire maybe it's like technically the best <laughs> You know, if you're judging by, like, real movie standards, and maybe it's the best ending of, you know, the Star Wars movies. Like, William's score is incredible. It really does it right. It's it's gorgeous. ILM's work is incredible. It's very emotional with... You know, Luke and Leia and the droids kind of looking out into space with everything they've just encountered. And the Falcon going off to find Han Solo and the promise of an adventure to come and the implications of what just happened. And I think a lot of that comes down to John Williams' incredible score, the Rebel Fleet score at the end. It's really, really good. (laughs) It's number five on my list. Why? It's just because I like the other ones more. It It is kind of like a lot of things. It filled in the other blanks of what is a Star Wars movie for all the movies that come after it to be inspired by. Like, I feel like this one gets kind of referenced more in the future ones than, than some of the other ones. But it is also, like you said, it's very good in quotes, but it's also very it's goofier than you think because it, it kind of starts with a robot doctor that just poked a robot hand and there's like a lot of spaceships in it. Like there might be more spaceships in this ending than any of the other ones when it's the movies kind of about everything, but spaceships, but it ends like reminding you, don't forget there's still spaceships. (laughs) Like a lot of spaceships. (laughs) Having safely reached a rebel transport, 
Lando and Chewie prepare to blast off on a dangerous mission, the rescue of Han Solo. While Luke, Leia, R2, and 3PO remain on the transport headed for the rendezvous on Tatooine, the friends part sadly. Luke, we're ready for takeoff. Good luck, Lando. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Princess Finehand, promise. So next up is Return of the Jedi, which is actually number six in my list. (gasps) (laughs) Okay. No, I want to hear this. I think there's nothing wrong with it. It's great, but it's almost its own thing in a way removed from all the others. I mean, it's kind of a combination of the cheering and celebration of a new hope with some of the the somber melancholiness at the beginning, you know, with starting with Vader's body burning that you would get like from Empire Strikes Back and then it kind of pivots back to a party. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just it's really long. I don't know. They're all so good. <laughs> I don't even know why. I don't even know why it's so high in the list. I think it's just the other ones I liked better. As endings, even though as an ending to a trilogy or a saga of films, I don't know any movie that ends better than the end of Return of the Jedi. But compared to all the other as a Star Wars thing, it's kind of, yeah, in the middle for me. It's Well, I'll say this. It is much higher on my <laughs> list. And... <laughs> Maybe I'll wait to to get into that when we when we go over our full list at the end of the episode. But yeah, it's it's much higher for me. It's much. I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll do that. I'll hold back. And when when we get to the end and we we go through our twelve to one, I'll I'll talk about uh, Return of the Jedi there. <laughs> but I hear. You, I mean, it's kind of like what I said with Empire. It's like it's great. It's amazing. But there's just other ones you like more. And hey, th- and you know what? That's okay. <laughs> there's no shame in in this game here. It's always fun when you're ranking your favorites. It's like, well, you're number six out of my top 12 favorite things. There's no losers. They're all winners. Somebody made me rank my favorite flavors of jelly beans. And I've decided I love all the jelly beans. (laughs) Okay. So moving on to The Force Awakens. Force Awakens is number three on my list. For me, for me. The Force Awakens is the most epic of the Star Wars endings. The entire trip to the island, getting to a whole new world in a Star Wars movie in the last five minutes of a Star Wars movie. And it's not just a new world. It's where Luke Skywalker is, who the characters have been dying to know just as much as the audience has been dying to know by the end of The Force Awakens. And when we finally reach bearded Luke up on the top of the hill and he pulls back the hood with the robot hand and the performances on Mark Hamill's and Daisy Ridley's faces, the fact that Mark Hamill in just a couple looks kind of spells out that Luke isn't exactly excited for Ray to be there. And it's it's setting up what we're about to see in The Last Jedi, and it's 
as much as The Force Awakens was kind of giving you the answers of what happened after Return of the Jedi, this was, you know, the exclamation point after the question mark <laughs> at the end of The Force Awakens. And again, it's John Williams just absolutely killing it with the Jedi steps. It, you know, I love, love, loved The Force Awakens, but this was the moment, yeah, at the end where I was just losing my damn mind. Where I was like, that was incredible. Yeah, I just think it's perfect. I think it's uh, just a perfect, wonderful, wonderful ending. Yeah, this one's very high on my list. And it is, I think, the same reasons that it. it's almost like J.J. Abrams kind of understood this whole format of this Coda thing. And he took it to like to the extreme of what you can do with it. And it is almost like a mini movie of you know, her landing and the mystery of the steps and, and who is it and the reveal and, and then ending with the camera spinning, just like your head is spinning after seeing the movie that, yeah, it's basically taking something old and breathing new life into it with this whole idea of the, yeah, the little musical coda. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So next up is The Last Jedi which is number seven on my list, which it's hard to put these things, to put numbers to these things. There's nothing wrong with this one. This one is great. Uh, it's very different, though. It's one of the most different ones in relationship to all the others, but it's the perfect ending for this particular film. The idea of leaving the main characters and main story behind for this little... I mean, in a way, you could say it's taking what J.J. Abrams did with making this little mini story with Ray, even to the more extreme by jumping to a character who isn't even really part of the movie, but showing the kids and ending with little broom boy being inspired by the legend of Luke Skywalker is the absolute perfect way to end a movie about why the galaxy needs the legend of Luke Skywalker. And it's short. And sweet. Like Ryan Johnson himself. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it reminds me of like what I was saying with like Phantom Menace. It's just like, yes, it could have ended with Palpatine, which was destroyed the Master of the Apprentice. Yes, it could have ended with we have everything we need and the Falcon flying off. But no, it needs that extra exclamation point at the end of yeah, the message of hope, which I th in the end, that I think is the biggest message of The Last Jedi. Of there, in the darkest times, there's always hope. And uh, Broom Boy. <laughs> I think episode nine is actually going to be all about Broom Boy, or Ryan Johnson's trilogy is going to be all about Broom Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. So speaking of good times, we're moving on to The Rise of Skywalker, which is number 11 on my list. And, you know, like Return of the Jedi, there's lots of hugs. There's not enough dancing in The Rise of Skywalker. And then it's off to, to Tatooine with Rey. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things with this ending that have been said quite a bit that aren't worth repeating here today now. But in the end, it's like it's, it's Rey going off looking at the... The sunset or sunrise, whatever it is, again, on Tatooine. And I think that was just my deal with it, that I was just kind of like, this has been done already. You know, it was done in Revenge of the Sith. 
And even in Revenge of the Sith, it was like, well, this was done in A New Hope with Luke. And it's just kind of, we're just, we're just kind of riffing on the same thing again. And I guess that was my, my thing. That's why I have it at a number 11 on my list. It's just kind of like, well, you know, we just got done talking about like The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and kind of a zinger at the end. Like, where are we? What's happening? And then with The Rise of Skywalker, it was just kind of like, I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly where we are. Yeah, the thing that popped in my head when I was rewatching all of these was that the end of Rise of Skywalker is basically the movie rubbing itself in your face. So if you enjoyed the movie, it's great. But if you didn't enjoy the movie, it's just rubbing itself back in your face, <laughs> reminding you what you just watched, which is really what all of these do. And it kind of does the same thing. But yeah, just like all the other ones, it's kind of a wrap up of the feeling and the essence of the film wrapped up in a little exclamation point at the end. Ray Skywalker. What? So now we're going to go to the not quite saga movie, theatrical movies, and we're going to start with the original, which is the Clone Wars movie, which is number nine on my list. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I had kind of forgotten how the end of this was until rewatching this. But here's the thing. It's very by the book. It's uh, I think it's the force theme or or it's your kind of stock Star Wars music. It's and you could say it's going through the motions to just follow the style. But what it has that none of the other ones have is a zoom in to a close up of Jabba the Hutt's face and then a pan down to a close up to Stinky's face, Rod of the Hutt, his son, and then cutting back to Yoda and our Jedi friends and then Iris out to credits. The fact that it has not one but two huts and they have more close ups than the rest of the characters because Dave Filoni knew who the real heroes of that movie were. It got a 9. <laughs> For me, (laughs) I can respect that. I can respect. I can. It makes total sense to me, and I can respect that. (laughs) It is not number nine on my list. (laughs) I hear where you're coming from. I I really do. So, moving on in the non Skywalker saga films, up next, Rogue One, which is number nine on my list. And Rogue One is an interesting one. It's got probably the most talking in. A Star Wars coda, the least kind of big musical send off, probably of of any of the films. It's kind of, it's got like the Vader scene. I always forget how close to the ending the Vader scene actually is when you go through and watch it because it's like boom Vader scene, and then boom they're running through the Tantive Four, and then they give the plans to Leia. Leia says hope, and then the ship zooms off, and then directed by Gareth Edwards. I love it for what it is, and I love it. It's perfect for the movie, and it's kind of like it keeps the adrenaline rush of Rogue One going right up until you got to walk out of the theater. It doesn't, Rogue One doesn't really give you that moment to really breathe at the end, which I kind of love about that movie. But I guess by what we're judging this scale on, 
of kind of the beauty and the grandeur, the space opera, the end coda, it doesn't really have that. Well, the thing I was thinking of watching Rogue One again, too, is it's almost like the Vader part is more what you would expect with the music and the kind of just visual story of the whole scene of him just tearing everybody up and then him, you know, standing in the landing bay, angrily looking out to space almost feels like, you know, if it was the bad guys movie, it would iris out to the end there. But then we get the, the little extra tidbit of Leia at the end. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it, it makes for an experience. Yeah. By the time you're, you're done watching rogue one, you either need to pass out and take a nap or you need to go get in line and watch it again because you don't even know what you just watched. So, well, and it is the only one where you could imagine that, you know, it does the Iris wipe to the credits and then it would immediately Iris wipe into the beginning of the next movie because it ends so close to where the next one begins with jumping into a new hope. And that's very true. Maybe that was an intentional decision of, we're not going to give it the traditional kind of Star Wars ending. We're just going to assume that everyone gets done watching this immediately presses play a new hope next on Disney plus <laughs> goes right into that. Yeah, maybe. So last but not least, we have solo, which is 11 on my list. So not last for me and definitely not least, as I said, but it, has a little bit different ending as well, where the movie itself kind of has the little like epilogue where they cut to the, the gambling planet where Han and Chewie show up to win the Falcon back. But then once they get the Falcon back, it's kind of your traditional end of star Wars little moment. It has a little more dialogue maybe than we're used to with uh, Han and Chewie with having their little bit of chit chat, but then we get a great them putting the Falcon into hyperspace that kind of transitions right into the wipe into the credits, which is kind of a cool way to do it. And it's extra fun because that's really the first time we see Han and Chewie as the Han and Chewie we all know in that last little 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Rogue One, where it's just, it's a different kind of ending. It's, yeah, it's a little bit more chatty. But yeah, it's the goal that the movie's been going, moving towards through the whole time to get to that moment. And they're talking about, you know, the big shot gangster on Tatooine. And it's going to be great. We're going to go. It's going to be totally fine. Right. It's it's perfect for the movie. And I I love the last shot of the dice, too, because also it's been such a theme throughout solo and then again in the sequel trilogy with the dice and uh well and it does the job that these things do and that movie wanted where at the end of the movie they jump to hyperspace and you leave the theater wanting to jump to hyperspace so you can see the next one whatever you think of the movie those last 30 seconds it's like there's han and chewie and the falcon i'm ready for the next (laughs) one it's true and I'm still ready for the next one. Still waiting. No, it's totally true. Every time I watch it, I'm just like, what did happen when they got to Tatooine? Oh, did they go to Jabba's palace? What happened there? 
Is Tamil Morrison there? I want to know these things. Is it Daniel Logan? Every few months, it's like, when's, when was the next one supposed to come out? It's like, oh. Han Solo. 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 Okay, so are we ready to reveal our full in-order lists at this point? I think so. Do you think the world is ready for this? I don't know if they are. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> we called a press conference to reveal our list, but nobody showed up. So we're just going to do it on the episode here. Okay. So number 12 on my list, The Clone Wars. Sorry. I don't blame you. Number 11, The Rise of Skywalker. Number 10, Solo. Number 9, Rogue One. Number 8, Revenge of the Sith. Number 7, Attack of the Clones. Number 6, The Last Jedi. Number 5, The Empire Strikes Back. 4, A New Hope. 3, Force Awakens. 2, The Phantom Menace. And my number one ending of any Star Wars movie ever, Return of the Jedi. Which I picked it as my number one. Because... And I feel like this is the opposite opinion of everyone on the planet. Return of the Jedi's ending, every time it got changed, I loved it more. Which that's, I know that's not the popular opinion. Listeners, you all know we love some some yub-nub pretty fiercely. But when the victory celebration was added to Return of the Jedi, I became a card-carrying member of the Church of Return of the Jedi. I went on missions to foreign lands in the name of Return of the Jedi, spreading the good word of Return of the Jedi, thanks to Victory Celebration. Victory Celebration took it up another level for me. When Hayden Christensen was added as the ghost of Anakin Skywalker, then my, my spiritual essence left my body, and I hovered above my physical self and looked down at my physical body. Because I've achieved a new level of spirituality with my, my love for Return of the Jedi. And what it is for me is the victory celebration combined with the ghosts and Luke's smile upon seeing the ghosts. And when Leia comes up and kind of just like, what's wrong? Come on, Luke. And the way Luke and Leia are kind of smiling, looking at each other as they walk back to the group. And they do, they walk back to the group and it's totally ridiculous. And there's like dancing Ewoks still and Lando's clapping and everyone's smiling. And I don't know, just to me, it's just like that, that whole ending, all of it, Wedge and Chewbacca kind of exchanging a hug. That's Star Wars. Wicket and R2-D2, hu Wicket hugging R2-D2, Star Wars <laughs> for me. So that is my ending my number one ending made my number one moment in cinema the ending of return of the jedi the blu-ray edition <laughs> i think your words have moved me to where my list all 12 are return of the jedi now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why it ended up so far in the middle for me i think i was just it's like it's so hard to rank this stuff i was just like going with my gut and just like Listen to them, you know, not thinking about it too much, just going with feeling, not thinking. And it, it's just ended up in the middle. And now that I hear you talk about it, I, I don't know. Maybe I made a mistake. 
You must do what you feel is right, of course. <laughs> Gabe, trust your instincts. So here is my list. Number 12 is Rise of Skywalker. Number 11 is Solo. Number 10 is Rogue One. Number 9 is The Clone Wars. Give me the huts. Number 8, Revenge of the Sith. Number 7, The Last Jedi. Number 6, Return of the Jedi. Number 5, Attack of the Clones. Number 4, The Phantom Menace. Number 3, Empire Strikes Back. Number 2 is The Force Awakens. And number 1, as I said, A New Hope, the original. That's a solid list. That's a very solid list. Well, and I and like I was saying, I think the for me the order of these does not really match the order of the films for me. And you know, like with Force Awakens, I like Force Awakens, but it's usually towards the middle of the list if I'm ranking the movies. But just that end coda is so good that it ended up you know number two on this list. And kind of same with Return of the Jedi. Like, as a movie, it's always in my top two. You know, it's either one or two. Maybe it would be three on a, on a bad day. But on this list, it all got crazy. See, that was the thing. I started getting scared because I was making my list. And I was like, this is just my order of Star Wars. But then I was just like, wow, I have Rogue One so low. It's making me depressed. Rogue One is going to think I don't love it anymore. I'm going to get like... A nasty text from Rogue One. <laughs> and it's funny, both our lists have Rogue One so low and Rogue One then so low. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the the exciting thing is that there are so many unpredictable, crazy final scenes to come. What's the final scene of season one of The Bad Batch going to be? The 10 bajillion shows coming to Disney Plus. What final scenes we're going to get? Book of Boba Fett, Rogue Squadron, Taika's movie, all the stuff coming. The, the movies we don't even know about that are in the works. There's so many final scenes coming. And how will, much like Star Wars down the line, how will the final scene change? What will stay the same? Who's going to be doing the score for these movies and shows? So much exciting stuff to come and so much of, like we were saying at the beginning, the traditions of Star Wars continuing, I think, to bend and stretch and give us not what quite what we expect, but what we need in the future. That's what's really exciting. It's been a fun ride up to this point, seeing the format, the style of what makes a Star Wars movie slowly morph and change. And now that we're kind of past that initial uncomfortable phase of like, well, what is this going to be from now on that I think everyone can kind of embrace how different and potentially crazy this stuff is going to get in the future. Maybe the Taika movie starts with the musical coda at the beginning and then it does an iris wipe to the beginning of the movie and the crawls at the end. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. If you want-
complete Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection. Entry deadline April 1st, 1983. Thousands entered. Only five win the grand prize. Details on posters and entry blanks at participating stores. Your entry gives you a chance to be one of the first to see... Return of the Jedi. This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So you know the deal, you know what I'm about to say probably... Apple Podcast Reviews, they help the show in mysterious ways. They help us move up the charts. When people look up, hey, what's a Star Wars podcast that Apple says is good? It helps Blast Points move up a little bit so people can see it more. And the most important thing, we really love reading them. It brings warm feelings to our hearts. And I think in an episode coming up, we're going to get to reading some of your reviews you folks have left for us. So when you get done listening, go over there and write a little something nice. And don't forget to check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're on all of those. And if you are on Facebook, make sure you are in our Blast Point Super Chill group. It is the best thing on Facebook. And don't forget, if you're a new listener, the website has a handy-dandy search feature where if you want to hear all the episodes we've done on a particular subject, you can just search it in there and it'll bring up some, uh, some episodes from the backlog for folks to check out. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon. Tons of bonus episodes, commentaries, Mandalorian season one, season two review episodes, and probably what, just like in a couple weeks or something, we are going to have our second installment of our series where we talk about 10 minute chunks of the classic episode one, the Phantom Menace documentary, The Beginning. So we've got an episode about minutes 10 through 20 coming very soon over there on the Blast Points Army. It's going to be good. But that about wraps up episode 258. The end scenes. This is the end scene of this episode. So maybe we should just not talk and let the beautiful John Williams yub nub just carry us out. And this is the exclamation point at the end of this episode. Yeah, I thought we weren't talking, so I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let us know your top 10 final musical moments on uh, social media we want to hear your lists and uh and yeah let's let uh let's let those ewoks just carry us out thank you everyone for listening bye bye everybody may the force be with you goodbye old friend 
May the force be with you. Because it starts with 3PO getting his memory wave. Wait, we skipped Clone Wars. <gasps> Everything that people love about it is, I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to cut that all out. <laughs> Number 12 was Rise of Squat. Rise of Squy, Squy Quacker. Squy. 